Emergency Medical Minute presents Mental Health Monthly. Hello, my name is Dr. Randy Libin. I'm an assistant professor in the psychiatry and neurology departments at the University of Colorado. Did my medical school training at the University of Arizona and residency training at the University of Colorado. Today we are going to talk to you about treatment and approach to patients with non-epileptic seizures. And I've been working with this population for the past four and a half years. And hello, my name is Dr. Laura Strom. I'm an associate professor of neurology with secondary appointment in the Department of Psychiatry. I attended medical school at Penn State University and did residency training both there and at the University of Colorado. I have an active interest in non-epileptic seizures and provided residency didactics on this topic for the past 15 years. And with Dr. Haru, I created their current model for treatment of NES and founded a clinic which is ongoing for the past four years. I am board certified in neurology and have fellowship training in board certification in epilepsy. So a little bit of background on non-epileptic seizures, which we're going to refer to as NES for short. It's classified as a functional neurological disorder, which means the clinical findings are inconsistent with a neurological disorder. These episodes are not intentionally produced, but are rather an outward manifestation of an internal stimulus frequently outside of the patient's awareness. This could be a thought emotion, memory, or bodily sensation. Consequently, these patients have difficulty understanding, expressing, and communicating their distress. Many patients with NES have been severely traumatized in their past, physically, sexually, and emotionally. A history of medically induced trauma is often elicited by medical settings. A patient in a medical setting perceives that the doctor is in a position of power. When the patient does not feel heard, this can be experienced as medical trauma. The NES patients frequently have this experience in many different medical settings. In the 400 patients we have treated in our clinic at the University of Colorado, over 90% of them have been traumatized. Many patients with NES have trouble accepting the diagnosis, but when it is delivered with certainty and compassion, they're more likely to accept it and more likely to get better. In delivering the diagnosis, it can help to validate the patient's experience as difficult, frustrating, and confusing at first. This also specifically means not dismissing the patient or their distress. The NES is trying to express their distress, which they are unable to understand or express with words. So let's switch gears for a bit because this is an emergency medical minute. I know that doctors in the emergency department really want to find out how to identify a non-epileptic seizure versus an epileptic seizure, but guessing is really problematic. The gold standard for diagnosing an is with a video EEG, which captures a typical event. That's not technically something that an emergency department can actually accomplish in the moment, usually. The event, if it is captured, has to be one that would be sufficient to actually give an EEG signature, were it an epileptic seizure. The treatment pathway actually depends upon an accurate diagnosis. So if there's any reasonable expectation of capturing a patient's typical event, that is the patient's having numerous seizures and video EEG is available in the ED, ordering an EEG with video can facilitate the appropriate care pathway. It can also assure the physician that the patient's not having an epileptic seizure. Utilizing a consult service of a neurologist who can make and explain the diagnosis to the patient can be helpful, as patients often are under the impression that theirs is a neurological disorder. In fact, there is a seven-year lag on average before getting a correct diagnosis of non-epileptic seizures. Using the services of a neurologist can provide a segue for these patients. So 
So best practices in the emergency setting are to look at what the patient is exhibiting and make the best determination that you can, bearing in mind that guessing is really problematic. I think the best way to approach these patients is to look at the fact that they're having a seizure and proceed accordingly. Studies have debunked the notion that an accurate guess of NES can be made just by signs like pelvic thrusting or forced eye closure, side-to-side head movement, or ictal crying. Even an arched back is not a reliable sign, and others are generally accepted signs of a seizure being non-epileptic. Syed, that's S-Y-E-D et al. in the Annals of Neurology in 2011, published a really excellent article showing that even some of the signs that have higher specificity have such low sensitivity for prediction that they're not actually going to help you in the moment. So we recommend that you ask the patient, if they're conscious, of course, or a family member if they're available about the diagnosis. And certainly this is dependent on whether you have time to do so. Patients and family often know what kind of seizures the patient has and can actually tell you. This will give you an opportunity to have a more thoughtful approach and to proceed accordingly. If a person has defined well-documented NES and they've recovered from the event and they request to not be taken to the hospital and you're at the scene, it's probably okay to do so as long as they're not injured. They may have a note or a medical bracelet indicating that they have NES. We certainly advise this to our patients. NES is not an emergency unless the person is injured in a way that needs emergent attention like a broken bone or a head injury, for instance. This is part of how we develop a seizure response plan for these patients in treatment. If you arrive and the patient is actively having a non-epileptic seizure, make sure they're physically safe and they're not going to hit their head or injure themselves, just as you would with a person having an epileptic seizure. Verbally comforting statements, starting with who you are and where the patient is and that you're going to keep them safe and that they're going to be cared for or helpful. What we hear from our patients uniformly is that it is very difficult when a medical care provider says, you're okay. The patient actually isn't okay. They don't feel okay, and it feels dismissive to them when people say so. Once the patient's in the emergency department, doctors and nurses have their own treatment algorithms, and we suggest that you treat them as you would a patient with epilepsy with the same precautions. Again, you can't guess. You'll be wrong 50% of the time. Make sure the patient is physically safe, meaning that they won't hurt themselves, you know, putting the bed rails up, for instance. Don't use words like pseudo-seizure or faking it. Patients hear these, and they internalize them. And again, this creates medical trauma. Try not to use the word real, because the opposite of the word real is fake. And patients hear this, if you use that term, and they feel as though you're saying they're crazy. This, as Dr. Libin pointed out, is a barrier to future care for these patients. You can't get somebody out of a seizure by doing a sternal rub, and that further traumatizes the patient. Verbal reassurance is helpful. Again, use phrases like, you're in the emergency department. My name is Dr. X. You're safe. We're going to keep you safe. If you know the patient has a diagnosis of NES, Ask them what they would like you to do to respond to the event if it happens again while they're in the emergency department. It's important that patients feel their distress is understood and helping them practice how to communicate their needs. It helps them practice how to communicate their needs. Medications such as benzodiazepines do not need to be administered as long as you're sure that the patient is not having an epileptic seizure. It's better to let the event come to an end on its own. 
after the emergency department encounter, we're going to give you a sense of what comes next. So we want to ensure the patients who present to the emergency department with non-epileptic seizures are getting the appropriate treatment once they leave. So if the seizures are of unknown etiology and they were not able to be captured on an EEG, referral to a neurologist is appropriate to determine what the events are and how to proceed forward. If the events are known to be NES and have already been diagnosed, make sure that they are pursuing appropriate treatment for any psychiatric comorbidities, PTSD being the most common, but depression, anxiety, and substance use are also very common. Being frank about the meaning of the diagnosis in a compassionate way is important. You won't cause harm by validating their distress, and this will help their chances of being able to accept the diagnosis. If you believe and think and act like it's a real thing, they will also feel like it's a real thing. Give the patient the message that this condition is treatable and patients do get better, but this kind of treatment is not provided through the emergency department and current treatment modalities are currently psychological or psychiatric in nature. This is the reasoning behind the clinic we run, which is an interdisciplinary clinic that includes neurology, psychiatry, and social work. Having them meet with a social worker or a case manager can be helpful in directing treatment to the correct place. Treatment of psychiatric comorbidities does improve their outcomes and can improve the NES. A multidisciplinary approach is emerging as the best way forward, such as the clinic we have created. Explaining this to patients is helpful as they're more likely to seek treatment if they feel they're being cared for, heard, taken seriously, and understood. Educate them that unless they're physically injured, they do not need to come to the emergency department in the future. So what happens to the patient once they leave the emergency department? If they live in the Denver metro region, they're often referred to our clinic at the University of Colorado. What we do first is to unpack trauma, give them a psychiatric evaluation, and a full neurological intake, which includes looking at their EEG and assuring that we actually have the correct diagnosis. We have group treatment therapy, but we also do one-on-one therapy for people who need that. And the treatment program lasts about six months. We are so happy to take these patients. We find that treating them has been extremely rewarding, both in watching them get better and also growing our program to reach out to others. One other important thing that can be helpful in talking with patients and just understanding the condition of non-epileptic seizures yourself is that a lot of people think this is 100% psychological and that that means it's not something that needs to be treated or is not as important to treat, particularly in the emergency setting. But I think a lot is that we just don't know the physiology yet, but we're starting to learn more about there are physiologic components and brain studies showing key differences in patients with non-epileptic seizures compared to controls. Many of these studies have have been small in nature, but they're starting to show more physiology than we previously understood. For instance, one fMRI study showed there's a dysregulation in the stress response circuitry in patients with NES. Another study showed that compared to healthy controls, patients with NES demonstrated significant decreases in both the strength of structural and functional connectivity in brain regions associated with attention, sensory motor, and the default mode network. The coupling strength of structural functional connectivity was decreased in patients with NES, and this showed a high sensitivity of 75% and a specificity of 77% in differentiating patients from NES from healthy controls. We can also measure decreased heart rate variability in these patients and higher basal cortisol levels. In all, there's a lot we don't know about NES, and so being very honest with patients about what their prognosis is, what their diagnosis is, and how to make it is of utmost importance. So we'd like to thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this podcast about non-epileptic seizures. And we hope that we answered a lot of your common questions about how to best approach the patient with NES in the emergency setting. If you're local, you can reach out to us at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Center.